Hi, this is Pastor Chance, and welcome to Truth and Knowledge. There are so many issues and myths surrounding money. You know, some of us, we have the prosperity gospel, and some people have the poverty gospel. Which one really is it? Some folks say that it is easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. God is anti-wealth, and the more wealth you have, maybe that means you will be corrupted. Well, today, we have an interesting topic for you. We're going to be talking about God, the Bible, and money. What's the balance? Stay tuned. Hi, my name is Chance, and I'm so glad to be part of the Truth and Knowledge broadcast today. This is always a wonderful opportunity, and I'm really looking forward to sharing with you on this topic. It is one that's dear to my heart because it really clears up a lot of issues that people of faith generally have surrounding the topic of money. So again, what are we going to be talking about today? Today, we're going to be talking about God, money, and the Bible. What is the balance? Now, balance is the operative word right here, right? So there are different attitudes when it comes to money and possessions. Some people are on one tangent or the other, one extreme on the other. Sometimes I like to tell people, you know, it's not, God is not a one track kind of minded, minded God. Some of us feel that it's either this way or that way, my way or the highway. But God can be both this and that and then some more. And so we want to look at some of the attitudes that people have surrounding money and possessions. And then we're going to see what the Bible really teaches. So you might have seen this Time Magazine article, Does God Want You to Be Rich? Or you might have read Paul um, uh, Pilzer's book about God Wants Us to Be Rich. So some of us feel, again, God doesn't want us to be rich. Now we ask the opposite side of the question. If he doesn't want us to be rich, does he want us to be poor? So that is a question that my friend asked on Facebook a while ago, and it, was, it really garnered a lot of comments. What we're trying to say here today is both of these versions of the gospel are incorrect. Why? Because the Bible says there's only one gospel, the true gospel. Paul actually says if anyone, even an angel, comes down from heaven preaching some of the gospel, then let him be a curse. So in other words, we don't believe in the prosperity gospel, but we sure enough also don't believe in a poverty gospel because both are misrepresenting the person and character of Almighty God. So here are some of the other beliefs that people have now when it comes to money. Some people say that money is the root of all evil. Well, we want to debunk that by saying, of course, the Bible is clear in 1 Timothy 6 that the love of money is the root of all evil, not that money itself is evil, okay? Are we clear on that? Because we can just ask a few questions. If money were evil, why do you and I, why do people actually go out every day, generally from Monday to Friday in the West, working so hard for money? If money is evil, and as some other people say, it is filthy lucre, according to 1 Timothy chapter 3, 
verse 3 and 8, is filthy lucre. So why should we be spending our time on this filthy lucre? Well, here's a question for you. When people go to church every weekend, whether it's on Saturday or Sunday, when they go to church on weekend, what does the church pick up or collect every single week? Money in the form of tithes and offerings. Okay. And again, I'm a minister, so I understand this. So, but that's why we ask the question if money were evil and money is by itself is filthy lucre, then why is the church collecting something that is evil? And why is the church actually taking up filthy lucre? Another thing is money isn't everything. Now, I understand the rationale behind this, but I would put it this way money indeed is not everything, but money is very important. Why is it? Because even to broadcast this to you, I'm looking into a camera and that camera costs money, right? I'm working on a laptop and that laptop costs money. I have a clicker right here. It costs money. By the way, are you aware that you cannot even go to the bathroom, at least in the West, without money? Why? Because toilet paper costs money. So I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm trying to get us to think because we don't want to get on all people's type of bandwagon and propagandas, right? People will promote one way or the other. No, we want what God says so people can find freedom and liberation because we have found that in general, Christianity and a lot of religion have put people in boxes and bondages that God didn't intend for them surrounding this topic of money. Now, here's another one. Rich people are selfish and money hungry. Now, some rich people are, of course, you know, not everybody. We, should, we shouldn't put everybody in one lump. But here's the thing. Even the poor are also selfish and money hungry as well. Okay? So, again, we're not favoring one or the other. Some people feel that uh, when people become rich, they, they lie, they cheat, and they steal. Now, I can tell you, indeed, there's some folks who got their wealth and riches because of those things. But the vast majority did not. And not only that, we can find people who don't have money, people who are broke, people who are even poor, who also lie, cheat, and steal. Isn't it so? And so that's why we just can't make that blanket statement. So it is not true entirely because good people lie and cheat, and bad people also do the same as well. Another one is you can't have your cake and eat it too. Now, I understand what this one is also saying. It's kind of trying to get us to not be greedy or not be like, you know, we, we, we just want to grab everything. But I want to ask you the question, why have your cake and not eat it too? I mean, I want to have my cake and eat it too. If I go to a wedding and they give you cake, you should intend to eat the cake, right? Why, why give me a cake if, if I don't intend to eat it? So again, it's all about our mindset. You got to change your mindset surrounded money because as the saying goes, what you believe will dictate what you do. So everything starts with thought. And so many of us are not experiencing God's blessing, not because God is not blessing, but because of our belief systems surrounding the blessings that God has. So again, when you believe something, you act a certain way. When you continue to act a certain way, you develop certain habits. And those habits over time will form what we call your character, which ultimately seals your destiny. So if you want to change the external realities, you must change the internal input that you are putting into your mind. And last one here, some people say, well, if God wanted me to have money, he would give it to me. Now, again, we don't want to be facetious, but let me ask you a question. If God wanted you to brush your teeth this morning, he would have done it for you. If God wanted you to tie your shoelace in, he would have done it for you. My friends, 
God gives us certain abilities and wisdom and talents to do certain things. We don't have to pray about necessarily about what clothes we're going to wear this morning or what we're going to do when it comes to tying our shoes. Those are basic things. You have the strength to do those things. So what I'm just trying to let you know is that we can't just say, if God wanted me to have something, he would give it to me. God, we pray and God blesses. God give us wisdom and understanding. You don't go to school and say, well, if God want me to have a degree, I'll have one. No, you got to do the work, right? You got to put in the work. You got to put in the effort. You got to study. Those are your domain. So the same thing with wealth, we're going to look at in just a moment. God says, I give you the ability or power to be able to get wealth. So it is up to you and I to be able to implement biblical principles if we want to truly prosper. So let's wrap this part up by saying this. I want you to avoid two extremes. On one hand is where we demonize money, but on the other hand is where we deify or idolize it. Both are wrong extreme. This is not what God wants. So on the demonization side, you know, the church or many people of faith generally say money corrupts you. Therefore, we should avoid it or shun it like a plague. Right. Um, we should not teach money and prosperity in the church. And poverty is a sign of greater faith and spirituality. Again, those myths can be debunked. Not everyone who is in a financial bind is indeed more virtuous, pious, holy and righteous. Neither one of those statements are true. There are rich people who are, are, are generally uh, you know, good on, in the sense of their spirituality, their connection with God, and their poor people who are also on the same. So we cannot just make a blanket statement to demonize one or the other. In the New Testament church, we find the poor and we find the rich. When Jesus died, guess what? It was a rich man that paid for uh, his tomb, right? Jesus also associated with many people. Uh, when, when Mary was also anointed him for burial, it wasn't a cheap oil that she used. It, it was super expensive. He said, she has anointed me, and she did it with expensive ointment. And then we also look at so many others, like Lydia. Lydia, the Bible says, was a cell of purple. She was a businesswoman. Right? Today we might say she was a, a small business owner or a, a, a sole proprietor or an entrepreneur, anything though, along those lines. But she welcomed the uh, apostles into her home. She was able to take care of them. Why? Because she has mean means and then we talk about in the book of acts it also commended cornelius for his alms giving meaning his generosity his stewardship he gave so much unto the lord and god's people that even though he was a gentile the scripture says that his stewardship his giving his generosity actually came up to god as a sweet smelling savior that is what we're looking at god is not anti-wealth because he is the creator of it but again we don't want to um, idolize and deify money either, right? Where some people think that money and possession is a sign of God's blessings on upon our works. Like we hear God want to bless your socks up. And I believe God does want to bless us, but it does not mean that everybody is going to be rich. It does not necessarily mean also that everybody's going to be poor. It doesn't mean that God's only concern is our wealth and well-being. No. If another one is, if you don't have a lot of possession, then it's a sign that God is displeased. Totally nonsense. You will hear some of the prosperity preachers push this narrative on TV that all you got to do is give a little bit more money. So it's, I'm always finding it interesting that they say, so a little more seeds, so a thousand dollars, et cetera, and you're going to be blessed. I'm like, no, give me the thousand dollars so I can sow it, you know, start with something. But I'm just saying, we're not here to fight against other people. What we're trying to do is share the word of God. And the Bible said, the truth shall set you free.
And then God's number one goal is to prosper us. No, that's not God's number one goal. God's goal is to make us holy and to restore us into the image of his son. That's why Jesus came to die for us so that we can have eternal life. In the process, yes, the here and now, God has an opportunity for you and I to enjoy the abundant life. But it's not going to be just eat, drink, and be merry. No, it's going to be a holistic type of a blessing, including spiritual, physical, etc. Alrighty. So now let's see what the Bible has to say. We've debunked a couple of myths surrounding the issue of money. Now let's talk a little bit on the Bible's perspective. So let's ask about it. Now, if money is this bad, from whom do riches then originate? Is the devil the orchestrator of wealth and riches? Well, let's look at a few verses. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 18 to 20 tells us that notice, notice how the wise King Solomon puts this here. Here's what I've seen. And it is good and fitting for one to be able to eat and drink and to enjoy themselves in all that they labor for under the sun. This is what is a reward. Verse 19, furthermore, as for everyone whom God has given what? Wealth and riches. Notice who gives the, the wealth and the riches? God Almighty does. And then it says he also empowers us to be able to eat from them and to receive a reward and to rejoice in our labors. This is the gift of God. Prosperity in the sense of material possessions or blessings are part of God's blessing. They are. right. That's what God did for Abraham. That's what he did for Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Job and so many others in the scripture, David, all of them had wealth, but it was not necessarily so that they can be boastful or proud. No, it was so that they can pass on those blessings and be a blessing for others as well. So notice right here, what can we take away then from this passage? That indeed, it is a good thing that if God blesses you with finances, don't feel guilty about it. Rejoice in it. But don't be proud either, as we're going to find out in a little bit. Let's look at several other ones. Deuteronomy 8.18 is a powerful passage. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power or the ability or the skills or intellect, the wherewithal, to be able to get wealth. Another version puts this, to produce wealth. This was part of God's plan for Israel. Deuteronomy 28 verse 2 says, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, but there's a condition. So that's what I'm saying. Some of us want the blessings of God, but we don't want to do what God says. So you can't do that. You can't have that. If you, if you want certain outcomes, you got to put certain input in. Some people want to have a healthy body, but they don't want to exercise and eat right. You can't, you know, you have to be able to work with God's principles. And that's what we want to share some of those today. Notice this verse right though. Um, Psalm chapter 112, verses 1, 2, and 3. Now, I would say read the whole chapter. Matter of fact, frame this. This verse right here, I love it because it shows that it is possible indeed to be wealthy and yet be spiritual and godly in the midst of it. Again, we have Bible examples. We have numerous Bible examples of that. But let's look at how this passage integrates these together. Psalm 112, start with verse 1, says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who diligently uh, or greatly delights in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. And wealth and riches, both wealth and riches, shall be in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. Are we seeing those words together right there? Righteousness, right? 
um, he, he fears the Lord, he keeps the commandments of God, and yet he's able to have wealth and riches. That's exactly what God's ideal and plan is for his children, my brothers and sisters. So again, let's stick with God, what God says and avoid all the propagandas and the side talks, okay? It doesn't matter even what my opinion is. It doesn't matter what your opinion is. I tell my folks, listen, in matters of faith and spirituality, for God's people, it only matters what God says. Your opinion and my opinion really amounts to very little in the areas of spirituality because we are not saved by what you said. We are saved by what God says. And that's the way the bucks should stay for those who follow God. Now, I find this in, um, inspired counsel in a book called Counsels and Stewardship, and which is, I, I highly recommend this book, by the way. But notice something interesting here. It says, the desire to accumulate wealth is an original affection of our nature, but who put it there? Was it Satan? No, it says it was implanted there by God, our heavenly father. For what purpose though? For noble ends. You see, this is what God's original intent was for his people to be blessed. It's not simply to lavish upon yourself, live luxuriously and so forth. No, there was a part of it, but the, but the bigger picture is it is to be used for noble ends. That's what God is looking for. Ministry of Healing is another wonderful book that some people go to only for health, but it talks about holistic health, in my opinion. But here is something interesting from page 212, paragraph number three. It says, the Bible condemns no man for being rich. Right there, we can say, hey, praise God. If, however, he has acquired his riches honestly. And that should be the, 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 the factor that determines whether or not we, we talk about someone in their wealth or not. If someone genuinely works hard, apply the biblical principles for wealth and prosperity, and if they have done that, then indeed they should be blessed. Okay? So notice here she also says that not money but the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's exactly what the Bible said. Not money itself. Money only accentuates who we are. Money has no feelings. Money has no uh, emotions. Money, by the way, cannot sin. People sin. So good people ought to do good with money. And evil people, when they have more money, it allows them to do more evil. But money itself is not evil. Money has no feelings. People will do good or bad with money. And so you must ask yourself, which kind of person are you? Can God trust you with wealth? If you got more, will you go squander it and do, do crazy things? Will you use it to lavish upon yourself or to enhance some of your, your carnal desires? If that's the case, then that's not what we're talking about here. We want you to be blessed so you can be a blessing. Already? So notice here also, to close out, it says, wealth is a blessing both to its possessor and to the world. I will stick with that, okay? That's balanced in my opinion. Wealth is a blessing, and that's how I want to see it. So here are seven positive uses for money. If you can use money for these things here, God has no issue with them. You can find this, um, uh, this breakdown in Council Christ Object Lessons, page 351. It says money has great value. Notice right there, money has great value because it can do great good. That's why it's valuable. So it's not valuable for the sake of, it's valuable because of what it can do or what it can become in the hands of God's people. Think about it. You know, I, I find it interesting that we don't think clearly. Would Satan rather the Christian have more money or less money? What do you think? 
I think in these last days, Satan would rather God's people do not have money. Why? Because he drives them to destitution and he knows the power that when they have money, what they can do. Think about this channel right here. If we were able to have the biggest cameras, what more can we do? If we are able to advertise and reach a whole lot of people, what great good can we do? If we're able to now go help people in Africa, Latin America, and different Asia, different parts of the world, we can build schools and hospitals and so forth. All of those require means. And that's why the enemy keeps the money in the ungodly people's hands because he knows they're not going to do those good deeds when it comes to having money. So here's, here's what you should do. And if you're going to seek to be able to prosper, this is what I hope you would want to, want to have money for. To feed the hungry, to provide drink for those who are thirsty, to clothe the naked, to be a def uh, defense for those who are oppressed, to help those who are sick, to provide for the necessities of life, including your own family. So God doesn't have an issue. You got to take care of your family. And think about it, especially here in the West, everything we use <laughs> has some kind of bill attached to it. You can't even drive your car. You got to have insurance, right? You got to be paying for the car. Then you're paying for your house. And then you got to pay uh, homeowner's insurance. And depending on where you live, you got to pay another fee called homeowner's association fees to even live in that community. Everything revolves around finances. And then Money can also help you to bless others and advance the cause of Christ, impacting the kingdom. That's one of the key reasons I would want to have wealth, is to be able to advance the kingdom of God. And my wife and I have been missionaries for many years. We've traveled to over 26 different countries around the world. And that's what I'm telling you, why money is valuable. And that's how I, I decided to study what the Bible says rather than what people has to say about it. Because I used to be in those shackles as well. I used to look at money very negatively until I start realizing, hold on, I'm in a nonprofit ministry. I am going around the world and I'm seeing the good that money is doing. And I'm sometimes we go back from a mission trip and I'm like, man, if we only had more money to do X, Y, and Z, if we only had more. And so that's where my mindset began to change. And I want your mind to change. But again, notice it is the word of God that sets you free, not people's opinions. You got to go to the word of God. And you got to see what he says. What does God say about it? That's what we need. Because again, truth will set you free. But not anybody's true because the Bible talks about wisdom from above and wisdom from below. You want divine wisdom to guide your financial decision. Now, of course, to be balanced, there are dangers indeed of having money. But just because there are dangers of having money doesn't mean we avoid it altogether. A knife can be dangerous, but we use a knife for more positive things. We use it to cut bread and cut a whole lot of different things. But we're not going to say do it with all knives simply because knives can do some harm. No, we don't say that. Even your car. People can use their car to go rob a bank or to go run into somebody's house and, and vandalize people's property. But we're not going to say, well, let's not drive anymore because of that. No, we have to be what? Balanced. That's what we need. Sanctified minds and imagination. But nonetheless, there are some dangers of wealth. And this is what we want to address here. So let me just give you quickly seven dangers of having wealth or money. One, we can forget God and become prideful. And pride is an abomination to God. And so that's why some of us may not have the kind of wealth or some of us shun it for that reason. And we can stop trusting God because of this. And now we depend upon our wealth, especially in the West. We are so guilty of that. We can also think that it's our own power, wisdom, and ability that made us prosperous and successful. By the way, when you read the rest of Deuteronomy in context, when God says, I'm the one who gives you the power to get wealth, this is the context right here as well. He was also saying on the flip side, 
you better be careful. When you go into the promised land and you have these nice houses and you eat and you, you are full, don't forget God and then try to say that you are the ones who was able to do this all. That's why for people of faith, we should always give glory and honor to God Almighty. Four, we can become greedy. Again, greed is not part of the kingdom of God. That's not the way. God is about generosity. And I believe actually giving generosity is actually the antidote to greed. The more you give, I'm telling you, is the more free you will become in the area of money. Money can also become our idol. Uh, we can begin to love it more than God and thus endanger our salvation. We can become dishonest in our income generation efforts. See, those are the negative sides. But we've also covered more positive sides. So you choose which side you want to be on. I think um, the book of Proverbs has the most holistic and balanced view of finances. Also, we talk about prosperity or anything along those lines. I find that if you and I read Proverbs 30 verses 7 through 9, that we would come away with a good understanding of what most of our hearts should be surrounding finances. Notice the prayer here. Now, this is my prayer. And this is a prayer that you can pray back to God as well. It says, two things I have asked of you. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep deception and lies far from me. And notice this. Give me neither poverty nor riches. So notice here, he's not saying, well, I'll get, make me poor. No, he's not saying that because there's a danger in being poor as well. But there's a danger in being too wealthy also. And some of those are what we just covered. But notice the reason why this prayer is thus. It says, feed me with the food that is my portion or is sufficient for me. Otherwise, if I am too full, I will deny you and say, who is the Lord? On the flip side, though, he says, oh, lest I be in want, that's what you're in poverty, lest I be in want and I end up stealing and thus profane the name of my God. Both are wrong. Both are wrong. So if we are too poor, it can lead to, 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 to being desperate and where people now are resorting to different things. And again, we're not here to say, you know, if you're poor or if you're rich, you know, this is, is bad necessarily. No, what we're saying, in the kingdom of God, until Jesus comes through those clouds, there will be poor people and there will be rich people. Both the rich and the poor are going into the kingdom of heaven. But what we are saying, it doesn't matter what your situation is, but if you follow biblical principles, God can indeed liberate you. So I want you to take away from this today that we should have a balanced view when it comes to God, money, and possessions. God is not anti-wealth, and God is not a promoter of poverty. God walks in the middle where he wants his people to thrive and to have good things. He says he richly gives us all things to freely enjoy. That's my God. And I hope today you will now choose not to dwell on propaganda or on other people's opinion, but choose God's instruction and revelation as we have covered today when it comes to money and possession. God bless you. We see you in the next broadcast.